Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Good morning. Welcome into Bet the Edge on this Wednesday, June 23rd. Thanks for being with us and watching us live right now on our NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. Chris Sims, he recently ranked his top 40 QBs in the NFL, but does that mean he'd back one of his top players for MVP? We're going to find out. And of course, it's Wednesday, so Will Gray, he's coming on. Is now the best or worst time to back Dustin Johnson this week after dropping from number one in the world rankings? And of course, edge of the day. All that and so much more coming up right here on Bet the Edge, powered by PointsBet. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. My co-host Drew didn't even know it was Wednesday because the guy's so hot on his pick last <laughs> night. He wasn't even going to join the show. I told him yesterday. I said, Drew, because he made a prediction on what the score of the game last night would be. And he said, Clippers, Suns, Clippers cover. It's going to be very tight. Ultimately, I think this is a one possession game in the end. And the Suns win a squeaker. Uh, we'll say like 105 to 103 or something around that. If you somehow guessed the score correctly, take tomorrow off. Just don't show up. If that's the score. <laughs> Seriously, I got the show alone. Don't worry. Too dang close. That's what it was. I don't know why you're here today, Drew. I, I didn't get it right. 104-103 is not 105-103. Very obvious difference. Um, but no, in seriousness, that was the best result for me so far of the entire playoffs. I bet into a bunch of the alt-under markets. My best price, I got under 212.5 at plus 250. So I was extremely happy that that game got finished in regulation. If that, that was my concern. Overtime, oh, man. I, I said be... I do not want overtime yeah. for Drew and his playoffs. <laughs> 
night and the game. And it was the best result for you imaginable. And it, and it was a great game. Great finish. Just phenomenal drama. Just the, the pass Jay Crowder made to set up that uh, game-winning bucket for the Suns was so good. And, uh, yeah, now the Clippers backs against the wall for the third straight series. It's going to be a great finish. Yeah, now down 0-2 in the series. We are going to get more into the NBA in a bit, but uh, there, there's a ton of action across many sports. Of course, the Euro 2020 today, and I know you've kind of kept an eye on a few games for today. What do you like? What are you going to kind of look for the next hour, really, before they kick off? <laughs> What's that to like? All of these games have, have me. All of these games mean something. We still don't know what our knockout draw is going to look like until we see uh, how the chips fall here. Obviously, the early games are a little bit tighter, a little bit tougher. Sweden, I think, reasonable look on the money line against Poland, but I didn't take a very strong position on that. I think Spain win to nil has a strong uh, proposition as well. Slovakia's offense is atrocious. Um, but the real match that I want to kind of dig into here is the France-Portugal match. This this is um, hugely meaningful in terms of just, uh, you know, this could potentially be your uh, Euro final once, the, you know, once we get to the business end of this tournament. And uh, so this is a pretty important preview here. France, the market is really, really high on France. I get why. I mean, I'm part of this movement as well. I put a France money line play in for this game. Uh, it's moved to the point where I think think there's still a small value on France, but not a ton. That performance we saw from Portugal against Germany was pretty pathetic. And some of the kind of holes that I had, some of the questions I had about this Portugal team were all manifest in that contest. And now they got to go up against a very tough French squad looking to get a clean win so that they can move on as first in Group F. I think uh, France overmatches Portugal at all three levels. This should be um, a pretty Im pretty impressive performance by them. And honestly, they kind of need it. They haven't looked great through two games. Uh, if this squad expects to repeat their uh, World Cup dominance and, and take home a Euro title this year, they better start getting into form now. Um, and this is a nice matchup for them. So I played Portugal. And then the last one, actually my favorite play on the card today for Euro, I have Germany win to nil against Hungary. This is the perfect setup because Hungary, <laughs> Hungary can only advance with the win, so they're going to be very aggressive in this spot. Germany only allows about three to four shots on target per match in international play. Very strong defensive side. I think they're going to be able to shut down Hungary, get a couple of counterattacks, probably win this game 1-0, 2-0. So Germany win to nil at a very favorable price of minus 112 is my favorite look on the card today. I am so with you on that. First of all, I'm not laying 600 for, for them to win. The fact that it's minus 112 to win to nil is an awesome look. To your point, they're going to be on offense the entire time and have too many back holes open. Okay, fairly quickly, let's talk about the game for tonight on the NBA slate because when I woke up, I saw this line move even more and I really could not wait to just talk with you about it for a quick second here because this opened at 229, the total for the Hawks and the Bucks. Uh, now 226 sitting at 225 and a half at points bet. So it has been ticking down all morning and of course throughout yesterday. How will you attack this game? Will you get involved on the other side if it goes any lower? I disagree with the line movement and it's moved so aggressively that it's got me spooked. <laughs> I, right. I honestly, you know, the, the, the Hawks are one of these teams that relies so heavily on the three point shot. If it's going down uh, and it can against the Bucks, cause the Bucks give you lots of wide open looks from three, the Hawks shots are falling. This is potentially fly over the total. I went to the war with the under in game one between the Hawks and the Sixers and got absolutely burned. Uh, I do not understand exactly why this is expected to be a tighter game. Usually game ones between teams like this are kind of feel each other out so um, maybe there's some inside information somebody knows that maybe Bogdanovich isn't going to go because of his knee or that Trey Young is more hurt than we realize but uh, that was a surprising line move and I am going to stay away from this total.
Yeah, Atlanta did allow scores of 124, 128, and 127 before completely switching it and really playing a defensive game. They averaged, giving up an average of just a 101.5 in the final four games of the playoffs. We'll get back to the NBA in a bit, but for now, we have Chris Sims joining the show live. And Chris Sims did just rank his top 40 quarterbacks in the NFL on his Unbuttoned podcast. Check it out wherever you get your podcast. Now we gotta we got to talk about some of these rankings here because, Chris, Aaron Rodgers is number three on your list. And what's not to like about Aaron Rodgers? As it stands, Green Bay, minus 125 to win the NFC North, 7-1 to one to win the NFC. But the main question surrounding all of this is, will he play? Will he be back? for Green Bay and if he's not what do you make of the team with Jordan Love right well I expect them to be back let's just start there I really do I mean I think he's too self-aware too legacy aware to just go like wait you know I'm here towards the very end of my prime and I'm just gonna you know forget the year and sit out no I I don't see that being a, a real possibility for Aaron Rodgers and also too what I would add to that is let's not forget you know, and I think maybe we talked about this the last time a little bit, but his problems are not with the players or the coaching staff. So he'll be able to kind of set that aside. The front office is very rarely down with the players in the locker room, that area. So that's where I think he'll be able to come back and go, okay, I'm not going to have to deal with, you know, Gutenkus, Mark Murphy, all of that, seeing them all the time too. And I get along with my teammates and coaches. I expect them to play, but if it did happen, the other scenario that you're talking about, Sarah, um, man, I would have big questions. I mean, th- th- that to me, Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks, if not the greatest of all time. He's that type of talent. And, of course, the offense and how they play and everything is so formulated around him getting him in the right play, his talents, everything like that. And Jordan Love, quite honestly, is really raw. He was raw coming out of the NFL draft. And... The only thing you need to know, really, to know how raw he was, he was a first-round quarterback that never dressed for a game last year. So that tells you how raw he is. So I think, like, if he's if he's a starting quarterback, we're talking about a team that I think is, like, on the outside of the playoff picture looking in. I love this. And that's a, a fantastic point. And I am in complete agreement with you that uh, the anyone in the market that is – Counting out Rodgers this season is probably doing themselves a little bit of a disservice. Um, interesting to me, at least, uh, the biggest riser. I, I have to imagine he was the biggest riser between last year and this year. You have Josh Allen, number two. And just a very cool story because uh, this time last year, a lot of folks in the analytical space and the handicapping space were like, I don't know if this is the guy. He works on his uh, accuracy over the offseason comes in as a totally, you know, completely improved player. You pair him now with Brian Dable, you bring in Stefan Diggs, and he has an incredible season last year. And guess what? All the pieces are coming back. Everything looks like it's in place for another potential MVP campaign. And he is right now plus 1300 to win the MVP, third shortest odds. Uh, what is your current outlook on uh, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills this season? Well, he's special. He is the team. I mean, come on. I mean, it's it's an average defense. There's no running game. And they went 13-3 and because that guy is just a freak of nature. You know, that's really – and there's been this negative connotation around him ever since he came out in the draft. You know, the year before, it was 20 touchdown passes and six interceptions and a bunch of runs and a playoff appearance. And people acted like he was like the worst thing on earth, that quarterback. But he is a 
you know, listen, it wasn't easy for me to put him over Aaron Rodgers at number two. Now, I've been a big fan of Josh Allen since he came out in the draft. He was my number one rated quarterback that year coming out of Wyoming. You know, I think a little too much was made about the inaccuracy. You know, he's playing on a crappy team that made, made him make a lot of tough throws. He had no talent, no pass protection. You know, I think the biggest thing he cleaned up with the accuracy to what you're talking about really is, you know, he's always been able to hit the bullseye. Where he became better is the decision-making. Stop throwing balls into crowds of people uh, that lead to the ball being tipped, knocked in the air, interceptions, or whatever that may be. But from the pure quarterback standpoint, is he as good as Rodgers yet, like dissecting a defense and making every right decision in the world? No, but he's not that far off. And then the big thing that I'm always big with, guys, is what can you do when the play's not perfect? And really, for me right now, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes lead the NFL in the ability to make off-schedule plays. Oh, wait, nobody's open. Don't worry. I'll go. I'll buy some time and throw a 30-yard laser. Oh, wait, I'm not protected. I'll make a few people miss and then throw a great throw. So they're super, super talented. And, yeah, a little lack of experience compared to Rodgers, but I think he's overtaken them, in my opinion, especially when I went back and watched the film. You can make a case that, Josh Allen was the MVP of football last year, and nobody, nobody's individual success affected their team more than him and the Buffalo Bills and everything there. Could not agree more. And he is now third in bet count to win MVP this season, only behind Matt Stafford and, of course, Patrick Mahomes, who was number one on your list, and rightfully so. What's not to like? He is the overwhelming favorite to win MVP at plus 450. And, of course, points bet has a ton of liability for him to win the MVP. He's incredible, and there's no denying that, but he has some of the best skill possessions in the NFL. Position teammates, excuse me, with Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Yes, he can scramble and make plays, but... The guys he relies on are not the same guys that Aaron Rodgers relies on. How important is it to have these guys? And, and, and when you look at the success he'll have this year, go around guys like Kelsey and Hill and, and all of his weapons. It's, it's, it's everything. You know, it's, it's why, you know, it, this is, these are great conversations. This is like part of the reason why I argue to your point, Sarah, that sometimes I think Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback ever. He's never had top-tier talent. He's never had an offensive genius. He's never really had a top defense to go, oh, wait, I, we didn't score here. The defense will make a stop. He's never had any of that. You know, and then this, Mahomes, as awesome as he is, walked into an unbelievable situation. And, you know, to me, that's where, of course, the Packers dropped the ball with Rodgers and everything like that. Like, I know you have your formula, but he's an all-time great quarterback. At some point, you got to push the chips in the middle of the table and go, we got to support him. we got to go all in on him. We can win a Super Bowl. Kansas City's been doing that every year since Mahomes was there, let alone the team was set up. But they're not afraid to make aggressive moves on either side of the ball. Orlando Brown Jr., you know, Jerron Reed, you know, at defensive tackle, all those type of things. But I think if you really, Sarah, if you want to see a quarterback's true talent and what they're truly capable of, you've got to put talent around them. You know, Peyton Manning had Marvin Harrison, Edron James, Dallas Clark, and Reggie Wayne. You know, Kurt Warner had... That whole cast of guys. Brady had Wes Welker and, and Randy Moss and uh, Deion Branch and other guys like that. So, you know, that's where, yes, Kansas City's special because they're talented and they're different because they kind of just go, wait, we're going to put all of our talent around our best player. And, yeah, defense will be okay here and there, run game okay here and there, but we're going to put pressure on you with a guy that can make any throw on planet Earth 
stretch the field, and oh yeah, he can run and scramble too. And that's the greatness of Mahomes. He makes you defend every square inch of the field. Sorry for the long answer there. No, no, that was a great answer. And it was a great transition because there's another guy that has got talent all around him with the likes of AJ Brown, Julio Jones, Derrick Henry. And uh, as I'm putting together my handicap, I pull pull a, a pretty significant weight on my quarterback number. And right now I have a much higher ranking on Ryan Tannehill coming into this season than you had on your list. And it's shaking my confidence a little bit. Like, what am I missing? potentially about Tannehill I know Art Smith leaves maybe the offense changes and he's not quite as efficient as he was last year um, but uh, Tannehill at 12 was a little bit of a surprise is there something that I'm missing about uh, his performance well wait so you're saying you're you're higher on him than that yeah I'm almost top five for Ryan Tannehill okay listen I'm yeah. not I'm not gonna be mad at you there <laughs> no, I'm not that was a tough spot there you know I'm not gonna say he's top five I won't go there but last year he was in the top 10 for me okay and you know, another thing I'll say, just to make you feel better, there's a lot of damn good quarterbacks in football right now. That's there's true. A lot of them. That's a great point. You know, there really is. I mean, hey, again, Jimmy Garoppolo, who's 21 on my list, went to the Super Bowl two years ago. You know, Jared Goff's 31 on my list. He went to the Super Bowl three years ago. So it's not all about the quarterback. And also, there's a lot of good ones, too. And Tannehill, like, I think the big thing that excites me is, like, um, he's a maximizer. He maximizes every yard that's there to be had for their offense and their football team. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's one thing that I think goes overlooked in evaluating quarterbacks sometimes. Oh, there's a guy wide open down the middle of the field for an 80-yard touchdown. He's wide open. The quarterback throws it, underthrows it. It becomes a 50-yard completion. And now the team doesn't score the touchdown and they had to kick the field goal, right? So they lost four points. Or, oh, man, if I threw this slant on target, A.J. Brown would have ran for a touchdown. But instead, I threw it behind, and he had to fall on the ground and do that. Ryan Tannehill doesn't ever do that. He always puts the ball in the money, let alone they have a very high degree of difficulty as far as throws are concerned, what they ask him to do. You know, I believe he's one or two as far as yards for completion, yards for attempt. You know they're going to run the ball and throw the ball deep down the field, and yet they find ways to do it every week. So that's where I'm excited with the Julio Jones things with Ryan Tannehill. They're not a dink and dunk offense. Oh, yeah, come up here. Stop Derrick Henry. He's so big and scary. Oh, it's one-on-one with those two freaks on the outside? Watch out. And, uh, I mean, listen, I'm with you. He might be one of those guys when I re-rank middle, halfway through the year that's, you know, up a few spots. But uh, I'm glad that you're giving him some respect. Yeah, definitely getting definitely getting a lot of respect from Drew. I've heard him talk about Ryan Tannehill in the prop market a little bit. Let's let's talk about uh, just transition here to the NFC before we let you go because Matt Stafford is intriguing to talk about. Obviously, coming into this offense, he's going to be an upgrade. He's number eight on your list. Actually, now the Rams are six to one to win the NFC, which is only behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I, I look at Matt Stafford and what he could do with this offense. But how much of a difference maker will it be from last year, Jared Goff, now putting him at the helm? I think you're going to see a totally scary, different-looking Rams offense. Like, not totally schematically different, but just, you know, this is one of the most talented throwers in the history of the sport. You know, unfortunately, stuck in a division with a guy that is the most talented thrower in the history of the sport of Aaron Rodgers. And then he's also, like, 
just been surrounded by crap his whole life. You know, I always say, like, you know, you're surrounded by crap. You're going to smell like crap and have some on you every now and then. That's the way it's going to be. And that's Matt Stafford. I mean, you know, we talk about Rodgers. I mean, Stafford never has a thousand yard rusher. They finally just got some pass protection there. They've never had a good defense. And then people will go, well, he had Calvin Johnson and Ndamukong Sue. And I go, whoa, he had two other guys on a whole team? Oh, my gosh, they should have won the Super Bowl every year. It's just unrealistic. And it's back to this old phase of, like, we put everything on the quarterback. The greatest quarterbacks of all time can only overcome so much. And I'm not saying Stafford's that, but he's a lot better than what people want to give him credit for. And I would expect between McVay's patience with the run game and there's the play action of bootlegs are just going to be one where Jared Goff might have been more conservative. Let me look for the easy completion. Stafford's going to put more pressure on defenses with those same plays because he's going to go, wait, I got Robert Woods for a 20-yard out route right here. I'm going to He's open by this much. It doesn't matter. I'm Matt Stafford. I'm going to throw a laser and get it in there. So that's going to change the offense, let alone it's going to like embolden Sean McVay because now he's going to be more aggressive not only with his play calling, but in his schematics during the week and go, wait, I can never call this play, but wait, this guy can run to the right and throw it 70 yards back to the left. And I can do all kinds of crazy stuff. So that's where I expect them to take a big jump. Just how dangerous they are. I think a more explosive element uh, on the offensive side of the ball for, for sure. Stafford, a guy that can thrive in structure. I mean, McVay's system seems quite different than what uh, Stafford had the last several years. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, because Stafford was in a, in a place really uh, until Matt Patricia got there where they were just like, get the shotgun and <laughs> we can't win unless you throw for 500 yards. So let it go. And yeah, that was tough. Like, if you guys remember, remember that first year with Matt Patricia, he wasn't great that first year because I think he was getting used to, like your point, new structure. Like, whoa, the Belichick way, the Patriot way. Uh, they actually want me to, like, you know, take care of the football <laughs> and we're running the ball on first and second down. What the hell is this? Hell is this? But I'll say it gave me the confidence to answer your question and say, yeah, I think he can handle the structure. Okay. You know, he loves football. You know, I think he, he's at a point in his career where he wants to win and be a part of something like that. He wants to be coached and be better that way. And I would just be shocked if the results aren't a lot better for the Rams. The one thing I'll say about the Rams, though, just for everybody to keep notice of, they're, they're talented. We know that. But I, they have no depth on their football team. That's the one thing that scares me, where it's a little bit like the Atlanta Falcons the last few years, and they've, they've dodged the injury bug. But if you really look at their team, it's it's starting 22 heavy, and there's not much after that. And that's always what scares me about them, where it's like three or four injuries can change their whole team in a big hurry. And I just hope that doesn't happen to, to Matt Stafford and McVay and company. We've had that conversation so many times on this show. I know we will continue to because the depth is, of course, lacking. But the Rams, for many reasons, as we talked about, of course, got an automatic upgrade with Matt Stafford. And they are the most bet team to win the NFC, the NFC West, and also fourth overall in the Super Bowl market. Chris, thank you so much. Really appreciate the time today. Sarah, Drew, you the man, you the lady. Thanks for having me. Be good. I'll talk to you soon. Whatever you want me, just call. Appreciate it. Guys, be sure to check out Chris on Twitter at CSimsQB. Check out all of his content on NBCSports.com and check out his Unbutton podcast. Of course, there you can hear all about his top 40 quarterbacks in the NFL, as we just discussed in more in depth. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. 
What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. There's a moment you realize you're ready for what's next in your career. Maybe it's when you're trying a new scone recipe and think, I could open a cafe. Or maybe you're helping a coworker and say, I could teach a course on this. Whatever your moment is, it's never too early to plan for a career that lives longer. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. For skills training, resume tips, and job listings, visit aarp.org work. Drew and I really appreciate you listening to Bet the Edge right here. Rate the podcast. If you're not a daily subscriber, you know the deal by now. You got to sign up. Remember, Bet the Edge is going to give you all the information in 25 minutes or so. So please do us a favor. Watch us live. If not, when you're listening, subscribe and rate the pod. Of course, find us on Twitter. We're very active over there. If you want to ask Sarah, how is it possible that she hits 80% winners in a market like the MLB that is the toughest to beat of all sports, you can find her at Sarah Perlman on Twitter and ask her those questions. If you want to uh, pick my brain about any of the sports coming up, Olympics, uh, Euro, whatever's going on in the tennis world, uh, you can find me at whale underscore capper. I have nothing now. 80%. We'll see if I can keep it going. Everyone, everyone fade me tonight. Now I'm feeling cold. I don't know. All right, let's transition to golf here. And it's Wednesday. We have to bring in Will Gray on Wednesday. And let's begin with the Travelers Championship at TPC River Highlands, which, by the way, one of the shortest courses on the PGA Tour. Over the last decade, it's actually been the shorter hitters here who've been able to take advantage. So, well, I leave it to you. Whose game is going to benefit most from this course? Yeah, Sarah, you nailed it on the head. This is definitely a place where you don't need to hit it a mile off the tee as opposed to what we saw last week at Torrey Pines where distance was paramount. So you've seen Bombers win before. Dustin Johnson is the defending champion. Bubba Watson has won here three times. But you also get guys like Russell Knox, Shez Reeby. This is an all-around sort of place. And so uh, I'm leading my card with Patrick Cantlay. I'm back on the Cantlay bandwagon after a couple of missed cuts in the spring kind of shook me off. But he is starting to play really well. Of course, he won at the Memorial a couple weeks ago. Had a very solid T15 finish uh, last week at the U.S. Open. He shot a 60 here as an amateur 10 years ago. Really crazy Crazy low score, has finished inside the top 15 each of the last three years at this event and has broken 70 on the weekend in all six of those rounds. So he's definitely one that I have circled at 16 to 1. And then another guy that I got at 28 and he's moved down to 25. A lot of people seem to be buying in on Brian Harmon. He finished T3 at the Players' Championship in March and really hasn't stopped. Seven top 20s in his last eight starts. He has played well on Pete Dye courses, including Sawgrass as I said, in a T13 at the Heritage, and he has three top eight finishes at this event since 2015. He can get very streaky on the greens. This is a course where you're going to see the winning score approach 20 under or get get pretty close to it. So Brian Harmon is definitely someone that uh, I have my eye on this week. Oh, that's interesting. So I want to go back to one of your points you brought up off, off the top, defending champion Dustin Johnson. He has not won since the Masters. 
He has now fallen out of world number one golf ranking. He is, for the first time in as long as I can remember, he is not in the top 15 most bet golfers for this title. Uh, all of this, and then I, it feels like deja vu all over again where I heard people talking about, well, you don't have to be long to win here mm -hmm. last year. And then he goes out and just was driving greens practically. Like it was absolutely ridiculous how easy he made it look on this golf course last year. Is, I guess, do you get the sense that this is the buy low spot on Dustin Johnson or are we still kind of waiting to see him actually put four rounds together before we buy in that, uh, you know, he's got his focus back? So it's tough to tell with DJ because he has the worst short-term memory on the PGA Tour. And I mean that in a good way. No one, <laughs> no one turns it on out of nowhere like Dustin Johnson. If you remember last summer, he shot 80-80 at the Memorial. He withdrew the next week at the 3M Open. And then all of a sudden, he finishes second at the PGA, wins the Northern Trust, and basically goes on a six-month tear. Now, he has not been the same guy since February. He won in Saudi Arabia on the European Tour. He was really hot or cold at the Palmetto a couple weeks ago, finished inside the top 20 last week but really wasn't in the mix so uh personally i'm waiting a couple weeks for my buy low on dj i think i'm very interested to see what the market does with him for the open at royal st george's which is of course if you remember he finished second at that event on that course back in 2011 so yes he overpowered the course last year but that was in the midst of a bit of a heater his other three starts at the travelers he has never finished better than a tie for 31st so i'm going to pump the brakes i think the market is agreeing with me he opened at points bet at 11 to 1 this week He's all the way up to 13 to one right now. Drew, you mentioned it. Not a lot of tickets on a very popular golfer in, in a field that doesn't have a ton of stars. So uh, I think it is a wait and see approach with Dustin Johnson. But uh, I mean, listen, if he goes out and shoots a 61 like he did last year in the third round, I don't think anyone is going to be that surprised because he always has that in him. This is a good time to head on over to NBC Sports Edge when you're done watching us here or listening to use our tools because I'm looking now and Dustin Johnson projected to finish seventh with our Edge projection tool. So you could get, if, if you like that, to finish top 10 at plus 150. Well, before we let you go, I want to talk a little bit about the Women's PGA Championship. Have you eyed anyone? Are you targeting anyone to win the PGA as of yet? I think it's a very interesting parallel to what we saw last week at the U.S. Open, where we had John Rahm as a betting favorite in the market who had never won a major before. And we have that again this week with the women. Nellie Korda is 13-1, to 1, just won last week. That was her second win of the year. She's number three in the world, looking for her first major title. She lost a playoff at the A&A Inspiration last year. This is a tournament that moves around. It's going to the Atlanta Athletic Club, which has hosted PGA Championship and U.S. Open before. So it is a tried and true test. But I really am interested to see how she plays this week as the betting favorite. We're on this is the final week for Olympic qualification for women's golf. So that's really an important marker, both for Nellie and her sister Jessica Corda, who are both in the mix to make that US team. So I'm I'm interested to see what the market does with her, but I do think that she's gonna give it a run because she played lights out last week at the Meyer, including a 62 in the third round. She sure did. Now 13 to 1. I like it. Love the look. Hey, Will, thank you so much. Love having you on every Wednesday right here. Check Will out on Twitter at WillGrayGC and be sure to check out all of his content on NBCSportsEdge.com. Have a good one, Will. You guys have a good one as well. Who will be America's next Olympic stars? The U.S. Olympic trials continue this week with track and field and gymnastics across NBCSN, Peacock, and NBC. And don't miss headlining competition with five-time Olympic medalists Simone Biles, Friday and Sunday on NBC. Definitely don't want to miss that. And I already know 
I know it's not your edge of the day, which we're getting to. I know you have already started the handicap <laughs> Olympics. I know it's only a month away and I feel like I'm already a little behind. <laughs> behind yesterday, you're handicapping tennis in England. <laughs> Today we're talking about the Olympics, Euros earlier, whatever you do it all. We already know I'm going to baseball, but I will start with yours for edge of the day as we wrap sure. up the show. Assuming you haven't really given out some futures in the Olympics market because it's not up yet. <laughs> there are still trials. Where are you going for tonight? So I'm going to look at uh, taking the points with the Atlanta Hawks against the Milwaukee Bucks. We talked about this a little bit yesterday when we were interviewing uh, Corey. And yeah. I, I'm not where Corey is, where I think the wrong team is favored. <laughs> that's, quite, that's quite a bold prediction. Uh, however, I do think the underdog has a chance to win outright in game one, not unlike what we saw in game one of the round two series between the Hawks and the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. If the Hawks shots are going down, they are going to be live in this game. And the Bucks give up an absolutely extraordinary amount of wide open three pointer attempts. Uh, and the Hawks are doing a very decent job under Nate McMillan this postseason of you know moving the basketball well, making the extra pass, getting to the free throw line when the shots aren't going down. Everything about the Atlanta Hawks right now exudes confidence. And the Milwaukee Bucks are coming in off of an extremely physical seven game series against the Nets that saw players barely able to dribble the ball down the floor in the final moments of overtime. So. The idea that uh, Milwaukee is this much better than the Hawks is very tough for me to buy into. The fact that the market is moving and giving me a few extra points has made me even happier. So I will take Atlanta plus eight minus 105 as my edge of the day. And uh, realistically, I don't want to go. I don't want to put my 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 superlative score predicting record on the line here. But uh, I could see them winning like, I don't know, 118, 115, something like that. OK, I'm being serious now if for some reason. Your score prediction comes within a point like it did last night. Please don't show up tomorrow. I might not show up tomorrow for you. Take the show alone then. If I'm hitting points like that, I'm not coming to work the next day. Uh, I love it. I grabbed the Hawks plus eight in all seriousness. And as it stands, 81% of the spread handle coming in on the Atlanta Hawks. For me, it's baseball time. We all know where this line is moving. And of course, as I'm doing the show, Drew's betting and I'm moving the line. So I can't even get the best one available. No, I'm kidding, but it did just move. I like the Reds, the Red Sox and the Rays, excuse me, over eight and a half. It is at nine right now at points bet. I played it at eight and a half this morning. If there's still eight and a half on the board, grab that. That's where I'm looking. Back to the well from last night. We have Rich Hill now pitching for the Rays. Of course, the Rays are on a crazy seven-game losing streak for them. Red Sox, meanwhile, won five out of seven. Um, Rich Hill gave up four runs in each of his last two starts, even though he started off the season tremendously. Struggled against the Red Sox in his career. ERA over eight against Boston. And then I look at Garrett Richards, who, of course, you know, solid veteran pitcher, but he had a really bad outing in his last one in Atlanta. Six runs, four earned. Uh, Richards actually has not won a game since May 19th. I do think because the way these teams just match up and the pitching matchup with both offenses coming alive as of late, this is another overplay. Clearly it's been the trend as the line has moved to nine. Last night, we know the Rays lost, but nine to five, that hit the over. I'm going back to the same thing. If you just blindly took the over lately in this series, the over 19, six and two in the last 27 meetings between the AL East rivals. So I am going over eight and a half for the Red Sox and Rays yet again, Drew. I love it. And just you can see it last night, the uh, addition of Wander Franco into that Rays lineup makes him that much more dangerous. You can't pitch around him all of a sudden. Yeah. And uh, yeah, bad news for Garrett Richards. I think this is a, a decent chance to go over a great look.
Yeah, absolutely. That was fun watching Wander Franco last night hit his first major league career home run in his debut off, of course, Eduardo Rodriguez. We'll see tomorrow if Drew yet again guesses the correct score in the NBA and if the number goes over in the Red Sox Rays game for now. Thank you guys so much for watching on our brand new NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. If you're listening to us wherever you find your podcast, please rate and subscribe to the pod. Good luck with all your wagers, and we will see you right back here tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern. See you then. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.